0: I'm desk Dest and you're listening to BR Football Ranch.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the BR Football Ranks podcast. Award nominated, BR Football Ranks. Award nominated, but not award winning. We came second. We did in the awards. Uh, Welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, We are live and direct from the heart of London as usual. At the moment, it's just me and Sam in the studio because. Dean hasn't quite come home from the awards ceremony yet. You know we have we have a time schedule to record on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. We're professionals.
2: We've, we've, we've turned up a studio. You know we we've, we've got, got a guest on the phone. W- yeah, very soon. We can't. We, and they can't wait around all day for Dean to to finish his session. So hopefully
1: <laughs> Dean will be back by the main thrust of this podcast. Yeah. But we're starting off just the two of us in the studio. Sam, did you enjoy last night?
2: I did enjoy last night. Um, it was it was going quite well, and then obviously we didn't win our award. That we were we went up, we were up for best podcast. We we made a short list of six. Um, we came
1: second, according to Dean's sources. Yeah, he the, tapped up the the leader of the FSA. Yeah,
2: the cha- the chairman of the FSA basically said that uh, that we finished second in the voting, and uh, we lost to Peter Crouch's podcast. So fair enough. Yeah, um, we are in our first year. We we're incredibly proud to have been nominated. Incredibly proud to have run the winner that close. Um, the chairman said that. They'd never seen a new platform run a winner so close in second. So all things to be proud of. Um, we've had a great year, haven't we? It's been a lot it's of fun. I can't believe we're allowed to do this. Um, the award ceremony itself was made even better, though, by the fact that Jack Jack won an award. Um, it wasn't best poem. Uh, I would have won that. Strangely, as well, they didn't run it because they knew he just absolutely I landslide. Was all six it. of the contenders for uh, best <laughs> poems. <laughs> it was just six of Jack's intros. Uh, no, Jack. Uh, Jack does another podcast. In case you don't know, called Fulhamish because he is a beleaguered Fulham fan. I am actually. We met in the pub just before. Uh, we went to the awards ceremony and as I walked in, Dean was already there. Jack was there and his co-host at Fullamish, Sammy James, was there. And they were recording a Fullamish episode uh, about half an hour before we went to the ceremony. Uh, so they work incredibly hard. Work stops for no man. It really, yeah, really, really doesn't. So um, they, they won uh, Best Club Podcast. Yes, he did. Uh, so congratulations nice. to Jack. Thank you very much. And that, that made it all the better because Jack was then obviously in a really good mood. I'm always um, in a good mood. I mean, yeah. So, OK, no, that's I'll qualify he hit the roof. Yeah, I did. Um, he had a lovely time. Uh, lovely, lovely time. Some slurred words, some nice smiles. Uh, but we had a, we had a we had a great evening. We did. We did. You were in the top three most drunk people I saw. I ranked them. Do you reckon? I ranked that's them.
1: That's um, that's quite the the, the compliment. I, yeah. I'm I'm proud. To you were second. You it. finished second. Excellent. I oh, well, so did we. So that, that, that feels <laughs> yeah.
2: like it fits. And uh, one of our very first guests on this podcast, much earlier in the year, Miguel Delaney, uh, a journalist. He was the most drunk he he, he was he was, first. he was ranked i top actually
1: of the dropped do- him home in a cab so yeah. there you go friends of the podcast are friends of the podcast for life yeah and, absolutely you know, you, if you're uh, a friend of the pod you might get a, a lift home from one of the ranks scored in a taxi one trust day. the trust
2: the two irish fellas to be the most drunk <laughs> unbelievable right. stereotypes do exist for a reason
1: people there are reasons but something else happened that was massively <laughs> important yesterday and that was the champions league oh yeah of course came yeah. out yeah. Um, and this was wild this is maybe the best draw I can remember in the last 16
2: it's incredible yeah really good really really good when the the the, the tone was set with the first game out of the hat was Dortmund against PSG I went oh yeah here we go and it just carried on in that vein it carried on at that calibre there's a Leon Juventus is not something to get particularly excited about no without
1: Memphis as well obviously very sad about Memphis and
2: no Jeff Wren Adelaide so you've got in in the space of a week Leon have had fan unrest Um, one of their players has been abused by the crowd. They've had a Tifo telling him to do some quite unsavoury things. That player is now requested to leave the club. It's Marcelo, the centre-back. You've lost your best player, Memphis, to an ACL injury, and you've lost your emerging midfielder. And then you get drawn against Juventus in a round of 16. I think they would just, if they could, erase that this entire week from its history. But they can't, and that's the only tie that really you think, ah, probably not going to watch that one. I want to watch the other seven. Like, I'm desperate to see them. The, the
1: Atalanta Valencia game came up, mm. and it's one of my favourite duels because if either of those teams had been put against a, a Liverpool or a Man City or a Bayern, you'd kind of imagine they'd get steamrolled. And, yeah. and that's no real disrespect. I think they're both excellent teams. Just
2: someone, the ca- did, the at play someone
1: did point out, and they were like, that, that tie belongs in the group stage of the Europa League, um, which it, I thought was exceptionally harsh. Um, but yeah, that's it, harsh, yeah. But it, it did make me smile for a reason. And what I love about this tie is mm. they're going to have to go for it, they're going to go for each other, and. I reckon that will be a really, really, really exciting game. And I'm, I'm so gassed for Atalanta's fairy tale to continue.
2: I mean, Atalanta will just go at anyone, won't they? I mean, they just they just chuck bodies forward into they're the box. It's such a just, fun side to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's, it, it's kind of... The amount of goals they get from wing-backs is absolutely insane. Uh, and it, it, that is a marker or a measure of how many bodies they f- they throw forward in attack and how, how heavily they commit to the attacking style of play of course their front three are incredible Papu Gomez is, is a joy to watch Always. Duvan Zapata and he Josip has a hint Ilič- of the
1: Joaquin about him doesn't he Papu he, Gomez. he does yeah is he's a bit player? cult
2: hero-y yeah. and uh, yeah, Duvan Zapata absolute monster and you've got Josip Ilicic an incredible dribbler who you know if he was four years younger people would be looking at him and going well oh, hang on a minute where could he go but he's already over the age of 30 so he's kind of he's kind of shot to prominence a little bit too late but Atalanta are bags of fun you don't even need to zero in on any one of those players you just watch them it's a whirlwind of an attack
1: and we we did actually single out Valencia for criticism earlier in the year because when they sacked the manager we were like what are you doing stop Um, but they've actually done okay I'm still, been... I'm still
2: not 100% sure how they got through this group stage
1: mate. no and but and nor am I and it's all a bit weird but credit must be given where it's due it, and is, th- yes. and it was, um, they've done very very well to get to where they are
2: they have done yeah and look both these teams they'll, they'll fancy their chances because of the draw um, and of course again no disrespect to them but this is the calibre of team we're talking about at this stage whoever wins this tie will be the dream tie for every other team that qualifies for the quarterfinals but it doesn't make it a poor game. No. It makes this is going to be this is going to be brilliant. It's it's Leon, a Leon, Leon Uwe is the only one that I'm genuinely not that interested in. Everything else is great. Pep Guardiola going back to Real Madrid, amazing. Ultimate clash of stars between Liverpool and Atletico Madrid. It's going to be brilliant. There's, there's so much to like here, but we've enlisted the help of a guest yes, to help have. us to to dissect this further. Yes. Uh, so Let's, Let's bring him on. So yeah. we're
1: going to bring in Mr. Stu Holden, who is BR Football's Analyst-in-Chief on our Champions League show. Former US International, former Premier League player. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. And just Listener a really, of the pod. And just a really good guy, basically. Yeah, good guy. So we're going to speak to Stu and get his thoughts on the Champions League what was
2: your first reaction to the draw when you saw it?
0: Is it February yet? Uh, <laughs> because I, I mean, as soon as the draw came out, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch it live because it was three in the morning here in uh, Los Angeles, and I woke up and I saw the, uh, the the draw come in, and all every match I was going down, and I was like, oh yes, Dortmund, PSG, Real City. I mean, every single one. And then I got to the biggest blockbuster of them all, Atalanta against Valencia. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> uh, but honestly, it's uh, it's an amazing draw, and I think uh, you know this is the best part of the tournament to me. Now, when you have these these knockout games, and you can s- the, feel the intensity, and we've had we had so much drama last season, I think it's going to be hard to top last season's Champions League, but. Looking at this draw, I think we've got a good chance.
1: I think, you know, we looked at it and and you just said it there. Every single game seems like it's a blockbuster. Is there one that's unmissable above any other for you? Is there there one that stands out as the draw that isn't maybe Atalanta Valencia?
0: (laughs) I I think it's got to be Real Madrid and Manchester City. Uh, It's this interesting uh, intersection of a a City team that, you know, coming in the expectations and they were the favourites, to win the Champions League this year. Now, they haven't done well in the Premier League. They've fallen off the pace. It looks like Liverpool are going to go on uh, and and win their first Premier League title. And then for City, it was, okay, well, you know, now it's time for Pep's men to really focus on the Champions League. And they had an easy group, and they rolled through that group. And Real Madrid kind of limped into the tournament and, uh, you know, had a poor Champions League last season. Expectations higher this season under Zidane. It seems like he's figured some of that stuff out. It's a Real team that's not back to their best, where you know when they won the three straight. But it is a team that are so experienced in knockouts and and have you know so many players that have won the Champions League against this City team and Pep and Barcelona and you know all the history that kind of goes into to that. I, I find that one to me is the, the the pick of the litter as far as. You know, the, the, the available game, uh, the, the games when we look at this matchup. I mean, Atleti and Liverpool is an interesting one, too. Simeone's team haven't been great this year. But, you know, we know how difficult in, in knockout games they can be with how good they are defensively. So uh, I'm not sure what you guys have picked here, but uh, that, that one to me is, is, the, is the biggest one of them all.
2: I love the look of that one and I, I've loved the the reaction on social media when you when you go onto Twitter and you take a look at how people are reacting to this draw you've got a lot of people that that fancy Manchester City for this game I would say uh, and a lot of Man City fans who fancy their chances here um because they do perceive Real Madrid as 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 not as strong as they have been in previous years and then you've got the Real Madrid fans going well hang on a minute this is our playground this is this is this is our time like Who are you coming in and pretending that you're your favorites for this game? There seems to be a real kind of chasm between the two sets of fans here is that they both think that they're favorites and they can't see an argument against it. It's been quite incredible to see.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild because you could make a pretty solid case why each team would win and lose because, you know, City's defense, uh, City have struggled against teams that can play through some of their press, which, uh, it, you know, it hasn't been as good this season. And then also defensively counterattacking with teams with speed. Oh, OK, hold on a minute. Real Madrid have Vinicius, Rodrigo. Uh, you know, the list goes on of, of players that they have with pace in the wide positions that they could get in behind uh, Manchester City. And then for Real Madrid, you know, they they figured out some of their stuff defensively. But uh, in the middle of the field, I think City have a midfield that could, you know, get right up against uh, Tony Kroos and Casemiro, and Valverde, who's looked a real player this year, I'm not even sure Modric is, is a player that you want to play in this tie because I think you need a bit more power in the middle of the pitch to kind of run City around a little bit. And then, you know, for for uh, Manchester City, what version of Bernardo Silva are you going to get in this game? Uh, Raheem Sterling, is Sergio Aguero going to be back and fit and, you know, at his best, or is it going to be Gabriel Jesus? So I think there's a lot of questions on, on both sides. And And honestly, I would... Tilt Real Madrid as, as the favorite in, in this game. And this is coming from me, who picked at the beginning of the season Manchester City as my team that we're going to win the Champions League. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I I, get, I can't, I, I trust Real Madrid, I think, more in these types of games. And, you know, Pep has had a, ten- a tendency to kind of overthink some of these matchups and how to get the best of, of Zinedine Zidane, whereas. Zidane has found a way to be able to just simplify his tactics and allow his players in big moments to to win these games for him. So I, you know, I'm I'm fascinated to see that uh, this matchup.
1: I thought it was really fascinating. You picked up picked out Athletic Liverpool as well. Obviously, Liverpool going back to the place where they won it last season. But on top of that. It's the first time in ages that I can think of Athletic going into a game as underdogs. And we know how much they love being the underdog in, in these kind of situations. And you can't really be an underdog when you're whacking out 100 million on, on teenage superstars. That's not kind of how the whole system works. But it does feel like they're massive underdogs in this one. And I think that's going to play to their strengths.
0: I, I 100% agree. And I, I think that uh, one of our all, all of our favorites in uh, Cholo Simeone, uh, you know, he, he's... He pretty, he'll probably be licking his chops at this game. Uh, just looking at the draw, knowing that you know he set up this season for Letty saying it was a bit of a transition period. You're you're, you're trying to integrate a new signing, João Felix, Kieran Trippier. Uh, you know, you look at their midfield. Uh, there's been some changes. They lost Rodri, of course, to Manchester City. But this is a team that, yes, they've struggled to score goals uh, consistently. But they've never been a big goal-scoring team. And I think Liverpool, away from home, have have struggled in the Champions League. Uh, and against teams that just sit back and make it difficult. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've seen that both home and away. And I think Atleti will say, we're not even going to try and, and uh, you know, and, and open this game up. We're going to make it difficult. We're going to frustrate you. And if we get a goal, if it's a set piece, if it's, you know, Morata toe poking one in in the 85th minute, we don't care. And they are going to work. Uh, like animals in that game to to really make it uh, difficult for Liverpool. And I think actually that's one of the teams Liverpool won't have wanted to draw in this round of 16 coming off the back of the Club World Cup in the Christmas period and then straight into the new year. You know They're going to have to be at a a million miles per hour in the Premier League to keep their lead. It's it's not the team you want to see when you think, oh, here we go again. We're going to have to raise our game another level and exert so much energy. So another uh, really interesting matchup
2: it is i guess in this sense even though you've talked them up and they do have the case you'd probably still consider if an atle- if atletico win it would be an upset and that's the next kind of topic i want to go to which is you know which upsets can you foresee here because we've got some 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 serious potential here like leon and Juve, you might feel is potential you might find that chelsea bayern is tilting one way or another uh Dortmund versus PSG. I don't know who you feel uh, is is favoured going into that one, but that doesn't seem like a foregone conclusion either. Tottenham, Red Bull, Leipzig. There's so many here, but is there an upset that you can see uh, coming?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Dortmund don't... Uh, I don't think they have enough defensively right now against uh, PSG attack. I, I just see them getting uh, absolutely torn apart by Mbappe and Neymar, Cardi, etc. I, I think that... Real Madrid, I think I I fancy them. Valencia to knock off Atalanta, Liverpool, Atleti. you know Chelsea. Bayern's an interesting one. I would say Bayern probably come in as favorites, although they've they've struggled uh, in their domestic league. You know, uh, who's favorite between Tottenham and Leipzig? Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, yeah. it would be interesting saying yeah. that. You know, Leipzig were kind of. The uh, they were from the third pot, I believe, weren't they? Going into the uh, the Champions League draw, they got an easy group. They came flying out of that group. They're top of the Bundesliga. Nagelsmann is a really exciting young coach, uh, and and has a flying young team. Uh, they're, they're they're I think going into that game probably as underdogs compared to Tottenham with Mourinho. But I I would say that I could see Leipzig knocking Tottenham out, um, and and that would be my my pick for an an underdog if if we're going to give it to a team that's top of the Bundesliga seems slightly unfair but uh, considering where they've come so quickly this season and then napoli who knows what to make of of napoli with <laughs> gattuso as a coach and you know they're they're a bit of a disaster but i i think even though barcelona um you know, at times can look uh, vulnerable. And they did again at the weekend in La Liga. I I, I see them beating uh, Napoli just with the pure genius of Messi.
1: There are no easy trips to Naples, though. It doesn't matter what form Napoli is. <laughs> no. Zero easy trips to <laughs> I mean, San Paulo. It's,
0: really, it's really great, though, isn't it? I mean, like we set the, the whole conversation up, you look down every matchup and you, you have something pretty interesting. And I would say both teams that would have loved the draw that they got would have been Atalanta and Valencia saying, uh, yeah, this if there's any team that either of us wanted to draw, I think these would have been the ones that we could, we have a great chance uh, to get to the final eight.
2: Yeah, it's a funny one that, I mean, I doubt, I doubt either team are actually thinking, oh, we've got an easy draw here. But at the same time, they're both kind of simultaneously toasting the perfect draw. It couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yet they're still going to have to play a really difficult side. That's just... That's just the measure of the strength, I guess, when you get down to these last 16 teams. But you've picked Leipzig there to potentially beat uh, Tottenham. I'm going to push you to pick a winner for each tie uh, just very quickly. So I take it from your comments that you've got PSG down to beat Dortmund.
0: Yeah, I've got PSG to beat Dortmund. I'm going to take Real Madrid to beat City. I'll take Valencia over Atalanta, Liverpool over Atleti. Uh, Chelsea, Bayern. Oh, uh, I'm going to go with Bayern to beat Chelsea, Juve to beat Lyon, Leipzig to beat Tottenham and Barca to beat Napoli.
2: I like it. I like it. I think Atalanta, are going to get one over Valencia. I think this fairy tale continues. I think Man City are going to beat Real Madrid too, but I think I'm in line with you on the other six. What about you, Jack?
1: I have a funny feeling about Dortmund. There's something about this game that, that, to me, it's not just, you know, a... You know, their match up of two wonderful attacking forces, but also if you look at the way these clubs are are run, they're almost a the complete opposite of each other in terms of, you know, Dortmund or is that very sort of like interior look in, inwards and try and build from within kind of team as opposed to PSG's, you know, splash cash, and that kind of looks like it feels like two kind of colliding forces in many ways I I just have a feeling about Dortmund
0: I I, uh Jack it's interesting I just don't trust Dortmund and like I I thought Favre was going to be yeah I thought he was going to be sacked after they lost to Barcelona and they're off this terrible run in the league and then they've turned it around they've won I think three or four straight they have a huge game against Leipzig and uh you know we'll, we'll see where kind of the chips fall at that point. I'm with you there,
2: Stu. Uh, they've got a lot more convincing for me to do. Um, I'd be absolutely terrified if I was Lucien Favre looking at the speed of Mbappe and then subsequently Neymar and Di Maria and the others uh, up against, you know, Dortmund play a very high line and have a very slow defensive line that don't tackle necessarily very well. And I would be really concerned about that. So that's that's where I come from. And I, I, I've got PSG in that one as well. I don't know what Jack's talking about.
0: Uh, can yeah, I- Jack... Jack get on
2: <laughs> can uh wh- look I know it's really early out and I hate I hate facing this question myself so uh, I I I ask you this with the greatest of sympathies um who's your early or right, right now who who are you picking to win the Champions League if you had to say one team right now you're backing who is it
0: I I feel bad changing my my tune uh, so early in the knockouts because I I I said I I picked Manchester City beforehand I could be swayed on back onto city to beat Real Madrid if they make a signing at center back uh, in the January transfer window. Now they'll yeah. probably have to pay over the odds. You know, what does Laporte look like when he comes back? Because if, if it's Otamendi and Fernandinho uh, against in you know, Real Madrid's uh, front three and, and attacking players, I, I just, I just don't trust those guys to win a champions league. I, you look at the great champions league teams that have, have won in the past and, you know, whether it's Ramos and Varane, even going back to uh, Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, I mean, uh, Pique uh, with Mascherano, just so many great pairings. I don't see that for City. If they do get another quality centre-back, uh, then I could be back on them, I would say. But right now, if I had to pick a team to win the Champions League, uh, again, I would go with Liverpool and uh I, I, and that's not even a like. That's probably a ninety percent confidence because I, I think if them if they get pushed a little bit more down the stretch of the Premier League, I'm not sure this squad just can continue to handle game after game, high intensity matches. So I go Liverpool, uh, and then uh, I'm, I'm putting an asterisk there to come come back to Man City uh, after the January transfer window. I'm not sure about you guys. Who have you got?
2: Well, I, I think if Man City signs someone like Koulibaly, then I think they might change my mind as well because all of a sudden. You're, uh, you're lining Laporte up with a legitimate, one of the world's best defenders, and then they become a completely different proposition. I think Liverpool are a completely fair shout, but I usually find myself in a position where I believe in Barcelona and Messi here, uh, and this far out, I usually just take the team who has the best player in the world, because it seems like quite a smart strategy. Um, hasn't really paid off for me in about four years, but I'm going to go with it for a fifth time, and maybe maybe it works out this time.
0: Yeah, Sam. So I, I was in the camp now uh, a couple of weeks ago to watch uh, Mallorca play Barcelona, and I had the chance, first time in a long time, when I wasn't working a game, uh, just to kind of take it in and watch Messi step by step. And uh, he he was he just blew me away again. Uh, you know, he just just his ability to to walk around the field, but still control the tempo as soon as he picks up the ball and and you know change the pace of a game and offset a defense and. Frankie Jong that night was uh, really class. Uh, he looked, uh, uh, you know, like inspired. And then you had Suarez and Griezmann kind of fitting the little pieces. So they certainly, you know, have the talent to to, to do that. I, I, I still I talk about defenses again. I, I You know, whether Jordi Alba can stay healthy now because Junior Firpo, I don't think, is enough uh, at the back for them uh, as a left back. And then, I don't know, Langley, I, I really liked him at Sevilla, but I still think he has – he makes a couple of mistakes that, that worry me a little bit uh, in the back there with, with PK, who likes to go and play at centre-forward sometimes, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, I, I was really interested. I also like Barcelona this far out. I've been saying Atleti. I said Atleti right at the start of the season because I'd prefer them in knockout competitions than I do in, in a league format. I didn't think they would have the distance in the league, and, and thus it has proved. But I do like them in this kind of format, and I think they have the potential to beat anyone, I think, is the is the truth of it. That athletic side has so much talent. And, and you know what Simeone is like in these kind of situations. Um, they've got to beat Liverpool, man. They've got to beat Liverpool, which which does make life a little bit harder. Um, <laughs> but, but we will see. We will see. You're
0: going to be 0 for, 0 for 2 here, Jack. You're
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not doing well. Still, I've got one final question for you, and it is slightly different. Uh, you work on the Champions League for BR and for, on our match days. What does that day look like for you? Like, what's what, what's it like uh, a day in the life of Stu Holden on Champions League duty?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. We get to talk uh, as you guys do. We get to talk about football for a living. So we, you know, don't complain about that when I wake up in the morning. But you know, I, I travel from Los Angeles to Atlanta. We wake up uh, in the morning and, and get in for a production meeting uh, around nine a.m. At which point we've already kind of figured out what we want to talk about, major talking points, but. You know, more so restructuring the show a little bit and and adding elements or if news has changed overnight, being prepared for that. And, uh, you know, we go we go on air. uh, Wait. uh, Yeah, I think we go on air around 11 for our pregame. Yeah. 11 a.m. Eastern for pregame. Uh, We're on for an hour show. The games kick off at noon. Uh, We head back into this green room where we get to put our feet up and watch every single kick of the football for the next, you know, 45 minutes quick halftime show another 45 minutes and then we do the bridge show in between and then the chaos kind of ensues in the uh later window because uh, you know i'm sure you guys have the same experience of how do you you know how do you stay across the other six matches that are going on or eight matches uh and and you know try to have a grasp of what's happening and why a team is playing well in this game as opposed to just the goals and it's just nonstop goals flying in at every end. And it was fun on the last match day because, you know, the scenarios were changing. We'd all had our picks and we're rooting for, you know, Moe Du was the only one who picked Atalanta, which I, I'm not sure he even knew where Atalanta were before the Champions League this season. <laughs> uh, you know, he got in with like the last kick of the game uh, and, and were able to get through. And, uh, you know, so that was a lot of fun. Then we do a, we do a full hour post-game show where, you know, we whip around all the different games and and catch everybody up and are able to have some analysis on those matches and give opinion and turn it around, do it all the next day and then after the show, shoot straight to the airport and get back to Los Angeles about midnight. So, it's uh it's been a lot of fun, you know, with uh with BR football and and having the Champions League now for a year and a half and kind of how the show has changed and evolved and uh, Sam, we've had you on a couple times and Dino as well and. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the greatest club competition in the world. There's, there's nothing that, that, that competes with that. And I feel lucky that I get to to say that that's part of my job.
2: Absolutely. It sounds like a whirlwind, but it also sounds like quite a lot of fun. It, your question, how do you keep track of six other games? Uh, you can't. Uh, I try and I usually miss one. That's, that seems to be the rule. I've got a good grasp on what happens in most of them. And then there's always one that slips under the radar and you go, oh, I can't even remember who scored those goals in that game there's, there's always one that falls under
0: Yeah the, that's the one that we stick in the uh, last block of the show on the post game <laughs> and uh, everyone's just kind of like as the highlights are coming oh look at this goal what, you know fantastic uh Atlanta so yeah it's uh, it, it, you're right it's it's I'm about the same as you. There's always one that I kind of look and I'm I'm about to read the goal score and I have to double check on our shot sheet who scored it.
1: (laughs) Zenit Benfica's gone under the radar this week, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We've only got the table and that's all we've got time for. And we'll see you guys tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mate, absolutely perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today and and talking about the Champions League. It's always a pleasure to have you on.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Speak soon.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much to Stu Holden. Absolute joy to be with. As I, like as him. Ever. I
2: like him more than Dean anyway. I think yeah. we should get Stu in const- like, on, a, on a consistent basis and just ditch Dean. Dean is literally now banging on the door. Okay. So
1: Hello, Dean. Dean is here. He's we're going to bring Dean in and we're going to pick our eleven of the decade in the main ranking King this week. Yep. Yep. Can't wait. Let's go. It is time to look back at this decade as a whole. We have seen... An incredible ten years of football, lads. It's been very, very special, and I think probably the best decade of my life. Basically, because I was very young at the end of the last one. (laughs) Um, But on the whole, I think this is this has been real good. It's been it's been a good better than five to fifteen was for you, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Dean, how did it compare (laughs) to the nineteen thirties? No, it can't compare to the nineteen thirties, mate. No, pigs bladders everywhere. (laughs) let's move
1: on to picking an 11 of the decade now this is not going to be easy so i think the way that i think i see this is if tomorrow we had an alien invasion and they said you have to pick a team from the last decade you can have all the, the players in their prime but who would the team you pick to you know to face an alien invasion and if you win we'll go away and if you don't we'll destroy your planet um who are you picking I have borrowed heavily from the Samsung Galaxy ad in about 2014. <laughs> but it's that's the concept. So you're not picking you're not necessarily just picking the best 11 players you can think of. You have to put them in a formation that you think would just about work. You have to put them in a team that you think are going to play together. Uh, and we're going to start in goal and and crack on basically. Sure,
2: but what yeah, what you just said about um in their peak form a lot of my selections have been based on longevity and what they have achieved yeah I think
1: that's important I think like I
2: haven't taken for example Diego Godin because he had one sensational year no. that's not that's not where the peak element okay comes all right here. okay
1: you take what they'll do is they'll pick their exact average from this decade right their okay. average form from the entire decade and that's where they get ended up so okay me and Dean were having this conversation beforehand it's very difficult to pick someone who had Five good years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, I yeah, think yeah. to be Especially included, were to, start, yeah. to be including in a in a team of the decade. I reckon you're looking at seven, eight years minimum. I think so too. Of, all right, of we're on. longevity, we're on we're with. on more or less the same page. Iker Casillas for me was was someone that just didn't quite have enough of this decade. My favourite goalkeeper of all time. Yeah, but. He left Madrid in 2015.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm with you. I had three names down on the on the slip for goalkeepers. I went, I went through Casillas, into Buffon, and then just went, "Where's well, Manuel Neuer?" I think it's Manuel Neuer. I think you're right. Um, he changed my perception of goal. He changed the game when it came to mm-hmm. goalkeeping. I think Neuer was the best player, regardless of position, at the 2014 World Cup, <laughs> which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But he, do you remember? Do you remember the Algeria game? he came tearing off his line four or five times was dribbling around players in the, in 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 the corner of the pitch the guy is ridiculous now i appreciate that last season was a down year for him after an injury but something that probably is flying a little bit under the radar is how good he's been this season yes agreed um he's actually been really he's actually looking a lot more like his old self and i thought i thought by I me mean, it were a were actually remiss to try to put their faith in him, given his age, and say, oh, no, he'll be fine, he'll recover, he just needs time. I thought, no, that's, that's silly, you need to buy a new one. But they're reaping the rewards there. Yeah. They, they know what they're looking at and they, they trusted Neuer. Seven Bundesliga titles and, and one Champions League and a World Cup. He was even great for Schalke in 2011. Do you remember when he, they, he played against Man United? Yes. And he pulled out what, what I've called a starfish save. I'd never seen it before. The Peter Schmeichel, yeah, Schmeichel uh, made who that. Obviously, up. made, created that. Oh, that save. but it was. That, was, was that, I hadn't. I don't think but, I'd ever like noticed it so vividly. I mean, yeah. Schmeichel was before my time. Yeah, like, I mean, it was, Schmeichel. I knew it existed was right in my ear, and he made his reputation off of it. To be honest, but yeah, Neuer hundred percent like took it on. Yeah, yeah. To the modern. To the modern game, without doubt. I well, think yeah. there's
1: going to be plenty of arguments during this eleven. But but this no one, none is none on Neuer. But this is one I think you find very difficult to argue in terms of longevity. Like there have been brilliant goalkeepers, but none of them have had the exact. I mean, he's lucky in a way in that he yeah. came through, came to Bayern Munich in 2011 and has remained their number one. It has fitted really nicely
2: with him in in why this works. But, but I yes, don't think there's any arguments with there, that. There are several players here who have just done their 10 year patch in 2005 to 2015 or, or something like that. Oh, yeah. And it just, they've just missed out because the timings haven't worked out for them. Someone who uh, I don't think is a million miles off is Petr Cech.
1: Yeah. Would uh, be, I think, probably the next
2: person along. With De Gea, perhaps. Uh, they're, they're the next two along that I can think I of. Mean, I mean, Buff- I had Buffon in ahead, yeah. of, ahead of both of those guys as a, as a, third, as a third one. I had Casillas and Buffon as my two and three um, with Noir as my number one. Yeah. Right, on to the defence. Guys, I had so much trouble with this. Like even on the train in today, I was changing things and moving things around and doubting myself. And right back, well, you can't get it wrong. Well, I, I probably will in your I think eyes. Right back's, right back's the easiest easy. one, Alves. The right
1: back is Danny Alves. It's Danny Alves. Right. Yeah. I think
2: left back's easy as well. I don't know. Yeah, but, I find, but We'll start. Yeah, we'll we'll get... start. We'll start with Danny Alves on the right. Um, yeah. At the start of the decade, he won the Champions League with Barcelona. Yeah. And this summer, just gone, he was named the 2019 Copa America best player. If that's not longevity, I don't know what is. Yeah. The yeah. guy is ridiculous. Probably the best right back to play in the Champions League. Um he's got his Cafu, yeah. I mean, honestly, given the number of finals he's 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 made it to and the fact that he's played with three different teams, Barca, Juve and PSG at such a high level and has made yeah. it to so many knockout stage games, I, I think he's the best. I think he's the best to grace that competition. Um, just just incredible. And if we all agree on that, we can move on to the I bits that I that really, really, tricky now, I really that struggled is, that with. That one's okay. So left-back was basically a choice for me between Albert and Marcelo.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think Jordi Alba's been the best left back in the world for so long but marcelo has four champions league titles um were you spying me on the train yeah <laughs> probably i mean i just feel like we think about the game quite similarly uh, i i edged for marcelo yes me too um but yeah it pained me because i do
2: think that alba's a better player i think alba is better at what i consider to be his job yeah. than marcelo is but marcelo harnessed in the correct way And Real Madrid undoubtedly did do that, hence the Champions League victories, was incredible. Um, I've always had massive issues with him because of his complete lack of interest in defending. Um, But we also, uh, a couple of years ago, Jack, you and I nicknamed him or ordained him, really, the Lord of Chaos. And that was because when he does fly forward and when he underlaps in particular and heads towards the box... Good things happen, like fun things happen. Like the amount of goals that he scored in like Champions League, like knockout. Ties. He was basically Real best player last year. It's absolutely. It <laughs> was kind of chaos. left-back. yeah, really, really strange. Yeah. Um, and yes, there's been a bit of a dip late in this decade for Marcelo. That there has, but I'm still going to give him the nod over Alba, which again is a little bit difficult because I think Alba is is absolutely brilliant. And has more regard for what I think his actual job is and his role is. Alba does all the things that Marcelo does in the final third as well. His link play with Messi, moving into the final third and into the box, an incredible duo or incredible connection. But I've gone with I've gone with Marcelo. I think I think you have to pay him the respect. Yeah, yeah of, I, I think those I think,
1: titles speak for themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think like these days when you look at like the way that teams buy their fullbacks now when they're like looking to fill. Positions at fullback, like obviously you you have to meet certain criteria, and a lot of that is like stamina levels, like ground covered and pace, like that's what you're looking for, and you have to fight your players have to measure up in those in those um, tick those boxes when they're in training, and in order to know that you're going to get the maximum out of them. I feel like Marcelo raised the bar for everybody, and some fullbacks probably hate him because like he just showed what they should be capable of doing both ways and like it's almost impossible to show as much energy as he's shown in some games he's also a great bloke
1: yeah, yeah, lovely. He's bro, always yeah. comes across as such a nice fella. He's always really Ronaldo happy. likes him. Everybody likes him. He's always
2: he's always posted video of his kid, kid scoring goals and him supporting his kid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and he'll stuff. get
1: on well with Dani Alves because they both play for Brazil. True. Is there any chemistry between your centre backs? I think it's something you probably do need to consider. This is a team that we're putting together to fight a, an alien horde. You know, <laughs> you have to actually have some sort of. They need to probably work together for, for they, large periods of this. They, they do.
2: Yeah. If I was fighting a horde of any kind, I'd definitely have Sergio. Ramos involved. Um mm. and I've partnered him with PK. So yeah, there is chemistry there. Um, they didn't always get on, but they obviously played together internationally for Spain. So they managed to put their differences aside to win a, you know, a World Cup and a uh uh-huh. and a European Championship. Not bad, not bad. Um their their success is almost kind of divided in a way because Ramos has almost solely come from European competition with four Champions Leagues and PK has obviously come domestically with lots of La Liga titles, lots of Copa del Reyes. Um, I struggled here because I wanted to put Chiellini in for a bit. I wanted to put Godil in for a bit. Chiellini just got edged out by basically what is a superior European trophy hall. Yes. Um, and Godin just about doesn't deserve it. I think his high was higher than any of those defenders. 2014, I think he hit... Pete Godin was the best centre-back of the world without question. And I think it's the highest level a centre-back has hit. But I don't think he did it over a period of time. Yeah, what about Varane? Rafael Varane, quality. He's still only 26. And he's like won the Champions League four times. He's won, been there since he's won 2011. A world, he's won a World Cup. Won a World Cup. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So elegant, I guess, as a defender. Like He's very different to... Can be. Yeah, like, you know what I mean, though? Like, he's got a composure which a lot of centre-backs, I think, don't have. Yeah, uh, I didn't actually. to be honest, I didn't actually factor him in, um, but I think it's a reasonable shout. Would you have him in your 11? I you don't know. Something? I just think he would be in that that discussion, I think, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a fair point.
1: I think what's really nice here is that you have Ramos on the left-hand side with Vieira, with Vieira, with Marcelo Vieira. <laughs> um, you have Charles Pique on the right-hand side with Dani Alves. The two of them have played together for Spain. The two full-backs have played together for Brazil. Yep. I think this defence would be cohesive yeah yeah it, it would Can't link argue together it, to really nicely I think it um, would yeah I do think there is a case for Chiellini because yes. I think that on the whole if you just want to stop her he's your man isn't yeah, yeah, he yeah. is the one and if if we'd gone five at the back he's the man I would have anchored it with
2: I agree yeah and also probably the most that the person I'd want most to lead my team in against an alien horde he's probably going to be on the bench then
1: yeah, we yeah. can put him as we can put him as first sub. He'll be starting fights from the bench. Yeah, so okay, we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna put a bench here too. So, Giorgio Chiellini is going on the bench. Chiellini can go on the bench. <laughs> and and we'll, we'll put him... um, do you want to put Buffon on the bench as well. I think yeah, Gianluigi Buffon can can be our backup keeper. Just also, be... we just got Italians on the bench. Yeah, the bench.
2: Well. on the bench as well, just yeah. because he <laughs> knows the Clutch Ariggi is on the <laughs> bench,
1: of course. Right, let's get into the
2: midfield. Then this is where it starts to get really tricky. I think it is. Yeah, it is. Um... Again, lots of consternation over this, and initially I put Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, and then I put, I took Xavi out. Yeah, I don't think Chavi Hernandez. I don't think he could be him. around for long enough this decade because he was a substitute in the 2015 Champions League final. He'd made way for Rakitic to play with Iniesta and Busquets, mm-hmm. and that's halfway through. So I, I don't think at that point you can really. I don't think you can really give him this time. I don't think he was around for enough of the decade at the highest level. Yeah, no it's um it's difficult. But who do you replace him with? So I went with Modric. Okay. I went with Modric. Again it's 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 a nod to those trophies, but also for pretty much the entire decade he has been incredible. Um when he at the very start he was bossing it for Tottenham and catching the eye of Chelsea. Obviously famously very nearly moved to Chelsea, didn't he? Then he ended up moving to Real Madrid, playing under Jose Mourinho and, and kind of adding adding a kind of elegance to the playmaker role in that team that we hadn't really seen. He he kind of, in his younger years, because he's now over 30 and is not as mobile, but at his absolute peak, he could destroy you with clear-cut passes. He could rinse through a defence, but he could also shimmy out of a challenge. And he had this kind of mobility which made him very, very slippery and very, very difficult to play against. And I think he was, for the most part, a complete playmaker. And with Iniesta on one side who just... Is as synonymous with the best football I've ever seen in my life. I think Iniesta is a shoe in
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone. Would you argue, Dean? Um, no, I think no. there is there is a space here for Andreas and Iniesta.
2: Yeah, even though again he did he didn't quite play the entire decade through. Doesn't matter. at the top, yeah. at the top, at the top well, level, but I think th- I think
1: he did enough. He did enough. You think he did enough? And he's it? still playing, so it's not like his drop-off yeah, would have been yet. so severe that if you were averaging this out, yeah. If he just stopped playing, then obviously that's a blank zero, and you have to think, I think he's still and pretty down good. A bit.
2: He's still probably OK. <laughs> he's all, so. I think he's all right, yeah. Um, yeah I have a question. Did enough over seven, over seven years, I think. Yeah. I put Modric in, and that means I missed out on Kroos, but I basically have chosen Modric over Kroos. These are tough decisions. I'm paid to make them. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, and Bus gets in as the holder. I don't have Luka Modric in mine. <laughs> That's OK. I have David Silva. Yeah, I was oh, really? Sort of like um, him, yeah.
1: I think David Silva's levels over this decade have been... Almost second to none, and I think that he would he would command a spot over Luka Modric for me. Okay, as the other side of the the three.
2: And you've got the the, the chemistry there as well. Obviously, him him forming mm. essentially a Spanish midfield three. Am I assuming Iniesta and Busquets are in?
1: Um, I, I do have a, a shout for Casemiro. Okay, uh, I think Casemiro's like base of midfield just absolutely destroying things might be very useful in a, in a side like this. You know, when you when you're trying to get things together obviously having a midfield three that that works perfectly in terms of its passing game is great but if you don't control the ball as much as barcelona do sometimes you need someone just to break things up sure um i mean there's a shout for Engolo kante to be part of this team not as the sitting base i'm not suggesting that he's a six but there's definitely there's definitely an argument that n'golo kante has done enough over this the especially yeah. the latter half of this decade
2: but i think the midfield yeah, 3 is the hardest yeah. it's the I think hardest silver would be the main one I think it's the hardest one to to pick the midfield 3 there was a quote from pep guardiola and he said uh, you can have one good season but silver's done it for 10 he's incredible like mm. yeah fair enough like this is we we said like recently like the last few weeks silver might not have been like bang on it but yeah. to be fair he's he's had cons- enough consistency that we can let that go for the most part yeah and also like you know for Man City, he's been insane, and but for Spain, he was hugely important in those yeah, in those sure. in those victory years, and they haven't been as good since he retired. Like like no, like, frankly. it's very his impact is very clear. I did go for Modric, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about Casemiro. I would I would always take this, the the more silky um, sort of mid decade Busquets. Um, again, someone who like actually made me genuinely really enjoy watching the number six and watching that holding midfielder, and. In particular, the way he used to let—or he still does it, to be fair—but he used to let the body, uh, the ball run across his body to create space for himself and create a channel to move into. And he sometimes he would beat two players doing that. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. would just go and shift his shoulders and would just let the ball run across, and he would like just fire off into space and lay it on. And it just used to blow me away every time. In fact, it still—it still kind of does <laughs> yeah, I because I can't do that. That's um, <laughs> We probably need two defenders, the two midfielders
1: on the bench here. Um, I imagine we're not going to find a solution to our David Silva, Luka Modric debate, so one of those is going to be on the bench for either of us.
2: Okay. Well, it depends um, how much of a democracy this is, or is it my 11?
1: Well, no, it's, it's supposed to be our 11, so this is a democracy we're going to have to vote. Um, obviously, it's not something we do very often. No. Um, this is very weird. But given that it's election season okay. in the UK, yeah. um, obviously that's been done, but now's the real important vote after yeah. last week's prelude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so hands up for David Silver. Oh man. Hands up for Luca Modric.
2: David Silva's <laughs> <laughs> into the side. Where's Davy the monkey when you need him? Yeah. Two weeks in a row, I've lost a vote. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's not
1: been good. Um, so that means Luca Modric makes the bench. Do we need a defensive midfielder in there as well? Does Casemiro
2: make the bench? Uh, I would much prefer to put four attackers on the Yeah, I am going to say, we're going to have loads of forwards in a minute. We're sure, going, what either. if we're trying to see out a 2 1 lead with three minutes to go? Busquets will do it. <laughs> Don't worry, Busquets will do it. Um, who's the other player you'd have on the bench then? I think four attackers. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. You don't want another midfielder? No, I want four attackers. Okay. I need to be able to change. I need to be able to change things up. The options. You still got. Th- well, you still have three, but <laughs> I need four. <laughs> okay, all right.
1: Okay. Let's move into the attack. attack. There'll be let's a defensive attack. Um, caveats. After this is finished and we have finished this eleven, we're going to do a version that doesn't include Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo because I think that's a far more entertaining debate. Yes. Um, yeah. They both have to make, but difference. they're going to both be in this side. The question is, where do you play them, Sam? Yeah, um, and so I'm going to defer to you. Where have you got Cristiano and
2: Leo in your side? Well, I haven't got either, actually. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Ronaldo is off the left, and Messi's off the right. Okay, so Cristiano Ronaldo is wide here. Yeah, uh, this was I. There was so our, our version without Ronaldo and Messi. Um, we'll do afterwards. We'll do afterwards. But there are a couple of really like. Re- that are really closely pushing this yeah. and I was very tempted at one point to put Ronaldo as the striker and include somebody else on the left flank but I decided to put Ronaldo on the left and Messi on the right it, a little bit just to keep them away from each other just keep them on opposite sides chemistry of the pitch because you know as much as they like to sort of smile and say that they will well they'll one day they'll have dinner and they respect each other, yeah they don't like each other, and they'll also be uh, you know competing individually to try and upstage the alien horde and ultimately, I just need i need I need some symphony in my team here so yeah, no, I agree. so so Ronaldo off the left as he, he's he's proving that for Juventus over the last year or so he can still do that he can still obviously all you want from Ronaldo these days is to get in the box. That's all you want. He can still absolutely do that as an extra man from the wing. In fact, him coming in off the, off the flank and sometimes pairing up with the fullback means that he's actually even more devastating when he gets into the box. And Messi, obviously, Messi. I think he's the best footballer in the world, so obviously I'm going to have him uh, playing against the Aliens. Which leaves one spot. I don't think you're going to find much debate as to whether we're going to play Messi and Ronaldo on either <laughs> flank. Um, but there is one spot which I imagine will cause some consternation, which is up front. This is really tough. This one is. There are at least three strikers here who would do a very good job and have a very good case. Do you want yep. to name them? Uh, Luis Suarez. Yep. Karen Benzema and Robert Lewandowski. I would add Sergio Aguero to that mix. Oh, and Aguero. Yeah. Sergio Aguero, and Aguero. And has won the title with that goal in 2011 and now is in. I think that's that's also fair. Yeah. Uh, so f- and it's like you almost can't lose because you pick it you like this, yeah. this guy, whoever you play whoever, it's going to be Whoever fine. the aliens send this guy's scoring a hat trick no problem. But I've actually gone for Benzema. I've okay. gone for, I've gone for Benzema. Hmm. Um, I'm write it in just yet. Again it's just a uh, yeah. It's just um a matter of respecting him and his longevity. This is like, if any, like of all the players here, maybe outside of Dani Alves, who just represent just consistent brilliance over the course of 10 years, and obviously accepting Ronaldo and Messi there as two, I think Benzema's right up there for just relentlessly being brilliant. And we've talked about him before and the respect that he deserves and how 30 million at the time, you know, it looks cheap now. And also just his role in that front three Um, the BBC combo with Bale and Cristiano, the facilitating role that he played with two players who were dead set on scoring, dead set on cutting in and scoring and just boosting their goal tallies. And fair enough, because that's what they were good at. But Benzema actually took it upon himself at a certain point to be like, I'm going to facilitate. I'm still going to get my 10 goals. I'm still going to get my 15 assists. I'm never going to be the star of the show, but I'm vitally important and I will make these two players look incredible. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. And if there's a player that can bring the best out of both Ronaldo and Messi simultaneously coming off each flank, I think it's Benzema. Oh, I completely agree with you. I think um, it's Benzema. For, for one. And as a standalone argument, he also stacks up.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think if it wasn't those two on the wings, I, I think interestingly, when you change, when you take Messi and Ronaldo out of this team, you change that player. Uh, I don't think that without Messi and Ronaldo. I don't think Benzema goes in for me. But I think given this is partly about chemistry and mm. partly about how the team would work, you have Iniesta on Messi's side to make Messi tick. You have Benzema up top to make Ronaldo tick. And, and on the back of that, you have a winning formula. And yeah. I, for, I completely agree with you, Sam. I I, Dean has a, a disagreement.
2: Well, I think the other way to look at it is who's scored the most goals over the course of the last decade outside of Messi and Ronaldo. Mm. And it's Lewandowski. So that's that's the alternative like if you want guaranteed goals like irrelevant of of that Ronaldo then, and Messi guarantee goals mate. yeah I, I do but <laughs> standalone striker Lewandowski's your man like he does score more goals than Benzema it's one slightly thing about, different
1: type. The one thing about Lewandowski is, I do remember he came on once and scored five goals in nine minutes. So <laughs> if you if you need someone off the bench at the very end of this game, we're, we're four 0 down and we really need someone. Eighty one minutes. It's on true, you go, pal. It's true. Yeah, um,
2: yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, if we agree with Benzema, then we can. I, I, I do mean, agree. Right, right. I just think that, that was the other argument I would yeah. have would, would be Lewandowski. But I think it's,
1: it's going to. I think all of these players probably make the squad. You know, Lewandowski, as we said, there is, is your man if you want goals on. But we've got two more, three more positions to fill on this bench. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want a wide player because would you then think right. about moving Cristiano
2: into the? Middle? I think you need. I think you need another wide option there. And my first thought is Eden Hazard. Is it? That's interesting because mine was Ayman Robin. Yeah. Okay, I had to. Th- I had to do a little bit of digging here because I had to actually find because ine- immediately like the word Neymar is staring you in the face and you're like. I don't think he's done enough this decade as a whole to justify a spot in this team. And Hazard has actually, has actually probably done more. I think his performance levels have been higher and he's been around more. Like he's just played more games. Mm. Um, I would, I would bring Hazard off the bench for sure. I think okay. he'd be a, a serious game changer. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, I don't mind having Ed and Hazard on the bench. Imagine that statement. We can, we can, probably, <laughs> live, we can probably live with having Eden Hazard as someone that comes off the bench. It's, yeah, I mean, what a player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, you, you know, you want Lewandowski on the bench. I think you want Luis Suarez on the bench. I agree. Um, because of, of what he offers. But I don't mind having Hazard as that option there. I think that's a, a clever one to have. Yeah, which I mean, leaves true. us with one bench spot. Another striker? Could do. <laughs> but, I mean, do you want another striker? Or do you want a facilitator? My argument would potentially be like, maybe it's a little bit late in the deck and a little bit of recency he buys. But if you're looking for someone to, to play the killer ball... Maybe you bring a Kevin De Bruyne on with five minutes to go. Yeah. You know, if you're looking for someone that's gonna create or a you know, or a, maybe a little bit too too short, but Pirlo? at What point did Perlo stop being top level yeah.
2: 2017? Twenty seven twenty fifty, twenty and I th- I don't think you can get away with Perlo. It wasn't it just wasn't peak him, was it? Just wasn't I, quite there. Yeah. No, I don't think you can get away. just stick Mbappe on. <laughs> no, <laughs> Now, <laughs> is the breakthrough of the decade... That's a different award. Hell, well, that's an award
1: we can give out if you would like to. Gotta be, isn't it? And the breakthrough of the decade <laughs> it is. is... Is there a melon of Killian the decade? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still one short, lads. We need one more player on this bench. Okay. Robin's not on the bench at the moment. Oh. But if you have Hazard on the bench, do you need an Iron Robin as well? Nice option to have. Different flanks as well,
2: ideally. Could play. Okay. What missing the thing the that Robin rifle. does where he cuts inside... <laughs> <laughs> what if
1: Messi gets injured no.
2: and you need someone to cut inside?
1: <laughs> okay, Iron Robin. Iron Robin is the seventh man. Oh, the so there we have really it. Nice blokes. So. Manuel Neuer, Dani Alves, Gerard Piquet, Sergio Ramos, Marcelo Vieira, Sergio Busquets, Andres Iniesta, David Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, Karim Benzema, Leo Messi. With a bench of Buffon, Chiellini, Azad, Modric, Lewandowski, Suarez, and Iron Robin. It's not bad. I'd be, okay. be okay with sending that team out to war.
2: Yeah, I'm interested to hear variations of it from people and see if there's anyone we just didn't mention. But mm. can't imagine there's going to really be anyone we haven't given an honourable mention to at least, in there. No. Yeah, I think we've probably covered most of it. Okay, there'll be, there'll be someone. Let's do the quick flip then. Yeah.
1: If Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo aren't in this team, I don't think much changes behind the front three. Nothing. Well, I put Modric in. You had Modric <laughs> has already been voted out. Of the side. But if you don't have
2: Messi and Ronaldo, who makes this side? So I've changed my mind on Hazard again, and I, I'm, I, I'm going to put Robin in this team. I think Robin deserves to be in this team um, off the right-hand side if Messi's not available. Yes. I think that's fair. Is there a case for Ribery as well? I mean, we did talk about chemistry,
1: and obviously they floated off each other beautifully. And, and arguably, you could just put that by in front three, and you put Robin Lewandowski, yeah. Ribery in, and suddenly you have a three that know each other really well, that are capable of winning games by themselves, yeah. And who, you know, are exceptionally good at football and have been all decade.
2: Yeah, mm. it's just about how strongly you feel about Luis Suarez not being in that team if Lewandowski is. Or Aguero. I think Suarez has to be in it for me. I mean, he was the best player in the Premier League when he left. Yep. And then he's gone on to this formidable Barcelona team where he's helped keep peak Messi. Like he's he's played such an important role in making sure that Messi's stayed at the top of his powers. I think. So would you play him through the middle? No, I think you. Could, I think you could still play him off of one of the flanks. I, th- I don't think that Suarez. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him run that much. I wouldn't have him running that much. what well, you could, but do. he rotates like he does right now. Like, yeah, it's not—it's not really a it's, its like a wide attacker, isn't it? It's not a winger. It's—it's
1: it's just a wide attacker. I mean, what you could do is go four-four-one-one, play Robin on the right, David Silva off the left, mm. and then play Suarez behind Lewandowski. Oh, the thing I would argue about that is there's goals there.
2: There's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> goals there. <laughs> what does that lead us to midfield? Busquets and Iniesta. Yeah. Okay. Might okay. be a little bit light. It's very light. Remember, remember, we're playing alien. Maybe Casemiro. <laughs> maybe
1: Casemiro comes off the bench. Yeah. Casemiro and Busquets together, <laughs> like more a 2 in a two-man destroying machine. When oh. Golo Kante gets the nod next to Busquets, just to run around and destroy things. Doesn't we haven't mentioned that... Pogba. It...
0: No,
2: Pogba. You came. know what? Until to... until eighteen months ago, I reckon he'd have been in this. When did he come through? events? 2014. No, that, so he was he was in the the final side that lost in in the 2015. Sorry. So so he was he was bubbling through at 13, excellent at 15. I don't I don't know. I can't have I can't I can't abide by that with with Modric and Iniesta and Busquets there and and David Silver there. Like, I don't think he's. I, don't I think, think he's, he's probably there. in the debate. He's just that he's just in the, the, the wrong bad. side he's just at the wrong team he's just like yeah, if he, he's if he just at the wrong team moves, he is he, he should, should be, in, be in the team of the decade because he's he's good enough and he is he, is he one should of the at best. least be in contention yeah, I
1: definitely. think is is where we should be standing yeah. with Pogba it's not a, he deserves to be 100% here no. it's just a, we're not talking about him and we yeah, should yeah totally okay but he's not making the bench so we're the front <laughs> he's not so the front three or are we going with that are we going with Suarez behind Lewandowski same formation alright so it's Suarez or Lewandowski uh, and... I vote Suarez. Okay. Well, that's, I, I'm happy to go with that. So, Luis Suarez leads the line. Robin off the right. Robin off the right. So, who plays off the left? Hazard or, or Ribéry? Or Raz. I don't think Sterling's had a good enough decade. No. He's had a really really decade. I just want thing. to put his name into this conversation. <laughs>
2: Hazard or Ribéry? Uh, Hazard. Hazard. I'm going to say Ribéry. Okay. <laughs> and this. you're going to write Hazard. I'm going to
1: write Hazard down. <laughs> so, so, there you go. So, it's Hazard, Suarez... And Robin. And then Rob M. Yeah. Nice. Like it. What a team. Also a very good side. Yeah. I think we've done anything. do alright, I'd say. Goals in that one too. Reco- I reckon we'll beat these aliens. Depends yeah. who shows up. <laughs> Is it the Monstars? I've mean, I no idea who's going on, who's coming in. <laughs> um but I'm, i know we're gonna beat them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh we haven't given the armband to someone. Who are you giving the armband to? Trying
2: to keep the peace. Lawyer. Trying to keep the peace here. I'm giving the armband to David Silver. Oh, he's been rubbish since he became captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, but everyone
1: everyone <laughs> on this team choice. would
2: like him. Everyone does like him. I give it to Neuer. He's he's also like, yeah. I mean, is the answer just Sergio Ramos? No. In the in the main eleven that we crafted with Ronaldo and Messi, Neuer is the only player that hasn't played in La Liga. Just give him the armband. Oh yeah. There's no squabbles. There's no. I think it's proved that La Liga is the best league in the world. (laughs) Well, it has been this decade. It absolutely absolutely has. Yeah. I mean, every Ballon d'Or winner. Since Kaka in two thousand and eight has been from La Liga. So eleven in a row. If yeah. that yeah, if that doesn't signify the dominance of that league, yeah. I don't know what does.
1: Well, um, I mean, we're entering a new decade. Maybe the next decade will change things up. Maybe yeah, we'll mate. see a resurgence in, t- in Serie A. In 10 years, yeah. the in 10 years
2: all the Gladback players that won the title <laughs> next year
1: will be there. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Turam, captain of the, uh, the next you know, of the one of the decade <laughs> next year. Excellent. <laughs> very, very good. Well, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week on BR Football Ranks. Thank you so much for watching. All that's left for me to do is say thank you to Dean Jones. It's thank mate. you very much, Sam Tai. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know what your teams of the decade, who your players of the decade have been, probably without. Messi and Ronaldo is a bit more interesting that way keep giving us ratings reviews, comments share this with your friends make sure you're involved with the Rank Squad and we'll see you after Christmas take care Rank Squad peace